0: And then the last part is accountability. I need somebody or myself to hold myself accountable to be doing those 30-minute blocks for a long enough period of time. That's what we talked about in the beginning, that endurance, so that I'll hit those monetary goals I've set for myself. And so there's so much ambiguity for beginners. Like, I want to just be rich. I don't know how to get there. Work backwards. Now you have the numbers. Figure out what the effort and work looks like to hit those numbers. Break it down into daily tasks, hourly tasks, and then 30-minute tasks, and then hold yourself accountable to do it. Stick around long enough, and you will hit your goal.
1: Welcome to the Law of Attraction podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Graziano, previously Grano. I'm so excited to bring you the latest wisdom and science from leading experts and world-class speakers from around the globe to teach you how to manifest your goals in love, career, financial abundance, and have anything you want in life. I'm the creator of the world-renowned Meditational Behavioural Synchronicity Method, the MBS Method. By listening to this podcast, you will learn how to refocus your mindset and rewire your thought process in simple, tangible exercises that you can begin right here, right now, simply by pressing play. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Law of Attraction Secrets podcast. We are so excited today. We are here with Cole Hatter. He is an author, an award-winning speaker, an entrepreneur. He invests in real estate, startups, several funds exceeding over $100 million. And probably even more by this point now we're speaking. Cole is the founder of Thrive. He is all about making money matter. That's so what Thrive is, an annual conference. Thrive is a three-day business conference teaching entrepreneurs how to make money matter and how to dominate in business and in life while making the world a better place. And I'm actually going to be speaking in one of their conferences coming up soon. We'll be diving into stuff around Cole's events in this podcast. But let me tell you a little bit more about who this dude is. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a philanthropist that strives to give back. Cole's greatest passion is working to encourage, to educate and empower people to live their lives in a way that makes a measurable difference in the world. Mm -hmm. In 2010, he decided to move to Mexico and he says he then went on to be a missionary, working with a Christian nonprofit organization, building houses for homeless people. And Cole will, I'm sure, talk about this at some point in the podcast. And he says he ended up helping start an orphanage. That's one of my dreams, guys. You know that, starting an orphanage. And after 10 months, he was running out of money. So what did he do? He had to restart his businesses. Gosh, we are going to get so much out of this dude today. Cole grew up in the church community. After high school, he became a firefighter. Okay, I'm gonna let Cole tell the rest of the story. He has achieved an unreal amount in his life. You probably already know him. Welcome, Cole, how are you?
0: What an incredible intro. Thank you so much. You've done your homework and it's an honor to be here. I'm so excited to hang out with you for the next hour. And I gotta say that was probably the best intro I've ever had, so congratulations and thank you.
1: High five, man, I'm so happy. You know what, to be honest with you, you have a story which has to be shared. You have something and you're on a mission so powerful, so much greater than than you, than us, and you are serving that every day of your life. And I would love to dive in deep with you and just help our audience understand about things that will benefit their lives as well with some tangible takeaways here today. You know, so... the the most obvious question where did this begin for you but i want to go to that point where you were running out of money where you had to restart the businesses you were in the middle of building this orphanage following your dream you're a missionary what the happened
0: yeah yeah so it's, it's a long story how i got there but yeah exactly like you said i'd been at this point living in mexico about seven months And uh, I had done well in business. And then in the recession, being a real estate investor, I had lost everything but, you know, a little bit of money in the recession. So I took what I had and I moved to Mexico. And I, as you already said, I said, if I can't make money in America, then I'll just go be a missionary somewhere else, right? Obviously, the logical decision, if your businesses are failing due to a recession, then go reinvent yourself. And so I lived in Mexico, working with that nonprofit, started that orphanage. And, uh, you know, my my dollars, although I had lost almost everything in America, they went a lot further in Mexico. So I was down there living comfortably when I started this orphanage. Now having increased expenses of having to pay for certain things, uh, my money was dwindling a lot faster. And obviously I wasn't making any money. I was just living off of what little was left. And so I realized, again, that I had about two to three months left until not only would I be hungry, but the kids at the orphanage now that were relying on me. My first thought was I'll go back to America, start a 501c3, which is a nonprofit organization here in the states, and that I would find people like yourself who are doing well financially and have a heart to give, and ask you if you want to support me, and get enough use out there supporting me that I could continue to live my life, fund my orphanage, and that would be my career. And something about that didn't feel right. I had already been an entrepreneur for a few years before the recession, had some success, Uh, and I also something about just asking people for money without giving anything in return, other than, of course, you're contributing towards something that matters and you're helping children, but there's no product or service exchange. I didn't like that. And so as I was kind of figuring out how I would navigate generating money to take care of these kids, I saw Tom's Shoes. And for any of your listeners that aren't familiar with that brand, Tom's Shoes, when they started, for every pair of shoes they sold, they gave a pair away. And because it was such a unique concept, Tom's Shoes was getting so much promotion, so much publicity for free, by the way. There's a takeaway right there, right? That I had heard about this company. I said, that's it. This is not a nonprofit. This is a company making money. But it's not just any regular company making money because it actually gives back while it's selling the shoes, et cetera. I want to use this business model. And so in some soul searching and some you know fasting and just alone time, I thought of this concept called for purpose business, where it's not a for profit. It's not a not for profit, like, you know, regular nonprofit organization, it's somewhere in the middle. So I called it for purpose. And uh, that's, that's what I did. I came back to America, I restarted my companies, as you just said a second ago, but this time I did it differently. It wasn't just about making money and, you know, paying overhead and stuff. It was about making money while making impact simultaneously. And the difference is, a lot of people will, you know, that want to give or do give will run their companies pay their bills their taxes etc and then if there's any left over and they're philanthropic they'll then donate to charity right for me i didn't want to just get rich and donate to charity every dollar i made i wanted it to be impacting someone in some capacity for instance back to the tom's shoes example for every pair of shoes they sold as they were growing their business they were simultaneously impacting which then means the bigger their business got the more impact there was because the more shoes you sell by default, the more you're giving away. So I loved that concept. So I went crazy into that, started a couple of the old businesses that I'd walked away from prior to becoming a missionary, basically real estate investing, and then since have started a half dozen more. And all of my companies now are what are called for purpose, as I just explained, organizations where I don't just make money, I make impact. And uh, I love it. And I'm passionate about it. And as I started talking to people in my network, I, this is maybe 2013. I started getting invitations to be on podcasts. I was like, what is podcast? I only hear my church talk about podcasts, right? Like, oh, if you miss Sunday, catch the podcast. And so I didn't even know what these were. And then sure enough, uh, I started talking about my for-purpose businesses on podcasts and my social media was blowing up with listeners of these various shows that were like, dude, your business model is incredible. Teach me how to do it. And I was like, man, I talked to my wife. I said, there's so many people that want this. Let's do an event. Let's do a one-time, one-off event, see what happens. And we got incredible speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk, Robert Hershevek and a bunch of just amazing humans to come and speak at that first event. Fast forward, the end of three days, my wife and I realized we had accidentally stumbled across something. We didn't pick Thrive. Thrive picked us, but we now had this platform where people in the business community were looking to us to not just help them with business principles, But that concept of adding that social cause, that for-purpose element as well. And here we are six years later, still beating that war drum, trying to convince every business owner on the planet that you can make money, but make your money matter by running companies that the more profitable, the more successful, the bigger they grow simultaneously, the more impact and more charity and more contribution they're making in the world. And so that was kind of that. I I just needed to feed kids and was trying to figure out a way to do so. And it's now evolved into an entire movement, which is actually pretty exciting.
1: This is the most powerful opener ever.
0: Well, thanks.
1: something else i'm literally sat here speechless everything you're doing is just with so much integrity for the right reason everything that you're doing is to expand in the right way i want to commend you for that that is so, so so powerful and i know for anybody listening boy i feel like we've learned an entire year's work in one minute right here this is powerful so okay making money matter that is the imp- most important motto. That's what Thrive is. So let's de- dive into that again, because you touched on it now. So go deeper into that. How can other people make money matter? How do they connect their purpose? How do they make the money matter in the world? Because we all know if you want something, sure, you can have it. You can have a car. You can have a nice home. You can have whatever you want. But you should want something for the betterment of others. Because if you want something that benefits others, they're after you're gone then that is true manifestation. That is wanting yeah. something for the betterment of others. And that is what you are. You're a living manifestation of wanting things that will leave a legacy thereafter, you're gone.
0: Yeah, well, I agree with everything uh, that you just said. And so as far as make money matter and expanding on that, it's, it's more of a philosophy, I guess, and, and an implementation. But as far as the philosophy, what I have found here in America is that a lot of people unfortunately wrap their identity around the money they have or don't have. And there's this false sense that the more stuff, the more cars, the more homes, the more vacations, the more private jets, the more stuff you have somehow uh, in society, you matter more. And the reality is that's not true at all. There's other people that say the more stuff you have, the happier you will be. And obviously, we see billionaires committing suicide. So it's not just the matter of having stuff. Clearly, it's what you do with the stuff that you have. And so what make money matter means is unapologetically pursue wealth. Go for it as much as your God given talents will allow you to be prosperous, right? Some of us were given the gift of athletics. Sometimes people can sing. Sometimes people can play instruments. Sometimes people can make money. They know how to look at a problem, solve it through a product or service, market that product or service appropriately, monetize it, and crush it, right? And so, and some people have multiple gifts, right? They can sing, play music, and run businesses or whatever. But so, as far as using your God given gifts to pursue wealth with everything you've got, not For the what can i get for myself but how can i live my dream life unapologetically because what my dream life costs proportionate to the income i'm making is inconsequential so that i'm making so much money that i can make this impact and so it's not just make money for what i can do for myself but make money matter in the sense that we've got to remove money as part of our identity and realize it's nothing other than a utility it is a tool i don't identify as a hammer but if I was a contractor in one of my houses, a hammer is a really valuable tool for me to do my job, right? Or a screwdriver or a saw or whatever, you, you know, a tape measure. And so in the world of, of capitalism, in the world of not even capitalism, consumerism, just every single country on the planet earth has some monetary system where they're exchanging, you know, dollars or in your case, pounds in the UK or whatever their currency is called. And it matters, okay? So it matters to have money that is but it doesn't make you a better or worse person. What I always say is that your net worth has nothing to do with your human worth. I'll even say that again, in case someone's in the gym or running right now, your net worth has nothing to do with your human worth. However, what I always say, having more money gives you more options. It doesn't make you a better person, but it gives you more options. You can now say yes to better vacations, yes to better vehicles, or yes, to impacting others, if you see an opportunity where the problem is lack of financing, that there is a cause or a purpose or an initiative that you want to participate in, and that needs the money to go wherever you want it to go, right? Whatever your beliefs are, I'll pick something random like animals. Let's just say you're passionate about animals. And here in America, unfortunately, at a lot of our animal shelters, animals get put to sleep or killed uh, after a few amount of days or weeks, whatever the policies are. And for a lot of people in our community, that makes them very sad. Well, the reason they do that is they can't afford to keep the animals alive. So what if you were so unapologetically rich, you could build a massive shelter and house all these animals and do a free adoption agency to where you're now saving thousands of animals a year. How much better would that make you feel to be able to write those multi-million dollar checks to run that facility and staff those people? And possibly you're so wealthy, you don't even notice the money is going. So what I always want to do is help people in their businesses become more successful so they have more capital resources available to them so that they don't change their identity. They just now have more tools to make whatever impact it is in the world. And so to be clear, I'm not suggesting we work hard to give all of our money away. I live in my dream home. I own all of my dream cars that I've ever wanted to own. And I take all of my dream vacations all the time. Um, But I don't do it in a way where I'm working for that. Those became a byproduct of my work. I am so focused on impact and generating enough millions of dollars that I can make the impacts I want in the world that along the way, of course, I started checking boxes of my dream board or or what I've been manifesting since being a little boy and have accumulated for myself the things that make me happy, that make me feel rewarded for my own efforts. I'm not wired in a way that I can make all my money and give it all away like a Mother Teresa type. I get motivated by rewarding myself with certain things that, that fill me from the inside. Cars are one of them. I don't spend a lot of money. I don't wear jewelry or watches other than my wedding ring. I don't, you know, only wear designer clothes or whatever, but cars are my thing. Most of my cars appreciate, by the way. And so I've had these dream cars. I own them, but I don't feel terrible because simultaneously I'm building schools of pencils of promise. I'm funding children through Claire's Place who have cystic fibrosis. I'm feeding the homeless through Model Citizen Fund, I'm uh, taking care of my orphanage, and so my cars isn't the thing; it's just a thing, right? And so it's it's just it's kind of a like I said a minute ago, almost like a mindset or or a a theory, I guess you would say, of make money matter. That you don't care about the money; you just care about what money can do for others, and obviously to enjoy yourself and your own life along the way, whatever that looks like to you.
1: God, I love that so beautifully put and powerful and i want to add to that because you know it's interesting so many different authors from Napoleon Hill to Wallace D. Waddles you know we're going back to the 1937 let's go even further back centuries back they've all been saying the same thing we are meant to have all of life's riches we are meant to be abundant we are meant to have Everything we have a dream of in our lives, we are not meant to be humble in that way and think I don't deserve it, I don't need it. No, because the more money you make, the more people you help, the more problems you solve through your resources that you have, the more money you make. So it goes around the cycle. But the key factor here is the more money you have, the more resources you've had, as you so beautifully put, to then go and serve other people and do great things in this world and make a real impact. Amen. That is what these riches are for. And of course, enjoy yourself along the way and make sure you, know, you, you get that thing, you want that. Now look, you've manifested a lot of things. You, just, you spoke about these things and you said very nicely that I manifested these things I wanted since I was a little boy. What skills, what techniques did you use? Give me, give me one for example, was it a vision board? Was it this, was it that? Something the audience right now, anyone listening can do themselves right now that you did, that you really found, obviously it was amongst other things, no doubt, but you remember one of those things you did to manifest your goals?
0: Yeah. So I actually, it was good timing. I was just uh, on a walk with a friend maybe four days ago and I was explaining to him a a visualization process I do when I'm jogging. And he's like, that's just manifestation, bro. So I've done this my whole life, but uh, when I, so I'll give two answers to your question. The first will be in, in the topic of manifestation. And then the second will be the action of how to actually make the manifestation happen. So I, my entire life have been a daydreamer, but not like most people, I like have lucid daydreams. And I have challenged myself to start running because of every physical activity on earth, I hate it the most. And I was hanging out with a gentleman named David Goggins maybe two years ago. And he was telling me his journey of how he was overweight after being a Navy SEAL, he got out of the Navy and was fat and decided that he was gonna run because he hated it. And by running, he would not only physically get fit, but mentally get fit because he'd have to force himself to do it. He is now an ultra marathon runner. He runs like 250 mile marathons spread across three, four days. It's crazy. And so I was like, all right, I'll do it. And my very first mile, I'll never forget it. I barely finished without stopping. Like the whole time, that little voice in my head was like, you're going to fall down dead if you keep if you keep running. I made it a mile and I did it in nine minutes and 17 seconds. I'll never forget it. And for context, just last night, I ran six miles and my average pace was like a 7.06, which is really fast. That's uh, miles per hour. If you're in a country that uses uh, kilometers, I don't know how to convert that on the fly. But seven seven minutes to 7.15 is usually my time now, which is fast, and I can run a half marathon. So I've physically transformed a lot. But what I found in that process that I can do better than ever is with my headphones in, no emails, no phone calls, no children, wife, nothing, just being alone. I usually, not always, but usually end up in these weird daydreams that are my future self accomplishing things I've always wanted to do and visually experiencing it. So a a third career where I'm headed in once I get into my 40s is I want to executive produce movies. I don't want to be an actor. I don't care about being famous, but I want to be the business behind making movies that ultimately tell stories that Challenge people and impact their lives. So in my 40s, I will be producing movies. In fact, we've already got our first one; the script being written now. That I'll start producing maybe in a year or two. That being said, in in my brain, do you know how many times I've accepted an award for my movies? As I'm jogging along, how many times I've stood at the podium? In my brain, that is, you know, not in real life, and and looked at the audience at you know uh, any of these award shows, whether it be some of these films like in. Uh, the south of france film festivals in the south of france or or even here in america with our with our more prestigious awards but just standing there and addressing the crowd that i'm being awarded for my movies i've done that so many times in the last probably 2 years that i've been running and as i look back into my childhood i would do the same stuff you know they're like oh he's got adhd he can't pay attention he this he that and maybe all of that's true but i would daydream so vividly that it would almost feel real in my daydream kind of like when you're asleep and you you get you know hurt or injured or fall in your dream you wake up in your bed in the middle of the night your heart is racing because although you were very much safe because you were a dream it fe- or dreaming you felt it felt so real that you actually had a response your heart is racing you're sweating whatever I do that while I'm wide awake sometimes not always I can't just sit here and do it and it happens almost every time I run which is one of the reasons I now like running and I think that that's a huge part of it is that I so with such vivid detail didn't just picture what I wanted, but I experienced the process. I don't just have a vision board of me winning an award. I have practiced the words that I'm actually gonna say in my speech. I've heard the applause, I've seen the standing ovation in front of me so many times. And I think that that is something that I never read a book on or I wasn't taught on. It's just something I fell into. And as I was explaining this to my buddy literally a few days ago, cause he's like, why do you love running so much? He's like, oh, that's just called manifestation bro. And so that would be the first thing is do your best to lucid daydream, block out all distractions, and don't just think about what you want. Practice doing what it is that you want, right? For me, I know what it feels like the next car I'm going to buy. I can imagine the feeling of the steering wheel in my hands, the leather seat that I'll be sitting in. Like I could hear the RPMs revving and the exhaust tones. I'm driving that car in my mind. And then the second thing I would say that's really helped me achieve what I've been manifesting that i don't hear a lot of people talk about a lot of people talk about execution if you never get started nothing will happen what a lot of people don't usually talk about is endurance and that's what i want to focus on or not focus on but mention is i've had to work my ass off for a really long time without taking my foot off the gas i think a lot of people are very capable and used to working hard in spurts but most things take longer than a spurt people want to get fit They work out for two weeks in the gym. They don't physically look any different in the mirror. So they quit because they said, well, these last two weeks of eating nothing bad and working out has done nothing for me. So I'm over it. No, no, no. You need to do that for like six months, right? And then people try to start a business and they launch their first idea. It fails. And they're like, well, I guess I better go get a job. I've probably started without exaggerating 50 businesses and like 46 of them have failed miserably. Probably like 12 of them cost me a lot of money. But the four or five I've gotten right have made so many tens of millions of dollars. It's made all the rest of it worth it. And I'm way up financially. So I think the biggest thing I don't hear talked about enough, at least in the circles and spaces that I'm involved in, isn't just the execution and the preparation and and the techniques, but it's the duration of how long you need to have endurance to continue to do that thing, whether it's dieting, exercising, working your business or whatever, because there is no such thing as get rich quick. There isn't. But if you just chip away at your to-do list one day at a time, enough of those days compounded, you're all of a sudden where you wanted to be. So it's those lucid daydreams mixed with the fact that I'm just too stupid to quit and I just keep going until it works. Those two things are why I am having the honor of being on your podcast and have done anything worth sharing.
1: God, I love that. That is so amazing i that is such i've written it down and guys you know we're gonna put in the show notes below so you can re-watch these bits re-listen to these bits don't just listen to this once listen to this again because when it goes into your brain it goes into your mind you want it to go into your subconscious mind so it becomes you my quote which we all know and i say it a lot be it until you become it okay you've got to be that person that you want to be you can't just think it, you got to take action upon it. And Cole, you were explaining about endurance. And I want to touch on that because a lot of people, they give up. And I'm going to give you a really crazy point here. Okay. So when I was about to give birth to my son, and the reason I'm going to mention this, cause this is endurance right here. When I was about to give birth to my son, I was pushing him out. I was on the final few bits. I didn't know it was on the final few bits, but I, I said to the midwives, I, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I'm going to give up. Right i was like i am i I can't do this
0: i'll transition
1: right take him out my mouth i was like just get him out another way the midwife went into me them, and she said and that is how i know you're about to give birth to your son and i was like how do you know that and she was like because every woman just before they're about to push out their baby most of them say i'm gonna give up i can't do it anymore because you are that final hurdle and you have no idea and then she rang the bell and everybody runs in the obstetrician. All the team come in to deliver the baby. Two push later, my son comes out. Why do I mention that? I mentioned that to you guys. And I'm, I'm talking about this now as a topic because just as you're about to give up on something, usually success is right there. Every time that you feel like I can't do it anymore, it's because you've done the work. You're pretty much there now. Like It is coming for you no matter whether you want it or not it's there but if you choose to walk away you'll never know what it felt like and what it really tastes like to have that success so you talk about endurance call and I love that because I know it in so many areas of my life not just giving birth but I know it as a woman in business when I was broke homeless with nothing and I stuck through it and I said no I'm not going to be here forever and then ended up on on a couch and I ended up with my newborn baby in my mom's basement. And it went on building up, up, finally, into my own small place, building into my dream homes where I am now. But tell us more about this mindset of success. What goes into that for you? Because endurance is a big part, not giving up and not quitting. So quitting therefore to you and failure, what is that? And how do you stay on top to, to always win, to be successful? What goes into that? in your mind.
0: Totally. And it's interesting hearing you talk about birth. I uh once upon a time was a paramedic firefighter. That's that's an actual real thing you described. It's called transition, and that is when you know the baby's coming, is when the woman gives up. It's like all right, and that means we're ready. So no that's a real way. thing. That's I amazing. promise you, it's a random fact that I know that, but I actually had to do 10 live births in my training. This is a hundred years ago in a previous career, but and I you yeah, yeah you just described babies. transition.
1: Oh my Oh, yeah, God.
0: I've done yeah, I've done a bunch of deliveries. I mean, this was this was to get my certification. So I was a firefighter. And every now and then you'll come across a pregnant woman that can't make it to the hospital. You got to deliver her baby wherever you got called to a car or, you know, a house or something. So anyway, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've witnessed it with my own wife giving birth to our children. Oh, I delivered my babies, by the way, in a hospital with with the staff. But I actually was not catching it. I did it. The doctor was standing up by her head, like just watching. It was really cool.
1: This but anyway, the coolest thing. Oh my God. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Most of my dude friends are like, I could never go down there and look at that at that time. Like, I had to stay at the head. And I was like, bro, like, my dude, it's all medicine at that point. It's not
1: yeah, you know, it's sexual. So You're just
0: watching your babies. Um, so but, you were,
1: <laughs>
0: but you were talking about mindset for success, quitting, giving up, and stuff. You know, I, I think if I'm being totally honest, um, I quit a lot. I was going to say every day, but I legitimately many times. This was two or three days ago. I had a deal that was supposed to fund and somebody else made a mistake and now the deal will not fund and it cost me tens of thousands of dollars. It's a real estate deal. Without getting into all the details, I had a deposit down on a house. Somebody else screwed up, not me, but I lost my deposit. This was like Monday and we're recording this, I think, what did it say? Thursday. So it was just a few days ago. I literally, my poor wife, I walked out of my office. She was the closest one. I was like, this is done." Blah, 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 blah. I was like, I don't even need the money from my real estate business anymore. I, I'm over it. I'm selling everything. And I quit, right? This was like 72 hours ago. I was, cause you know, I have other companies. So I was like, I don't even need this money. It's not even worth the frustration. Screw this. And I quit my business for about seven minutes. And then after I was done feeling sorry for myself and after I was done being a baby, you know, sucking my thumb in the fetal position on the floor, I went back to my freaking computer. I opened up my laptop and I started handling the problem. And unfortunately, the deal's gone and I lost the money, but it's all a tax right off here anyway, and I'll get the next one. So if I'm being totally honest, I do quit. And the friends that I have that I admire that that are super successful, when we're having candid conversations, they quit too. So I think the feeling of wanting to quit or even quitting is totally human. And I think maybe one of the misconceptions that people who are, still you sleeping in your mom's basement that are seeing you where you are today. The disconnect is that they think somehow you're superhuman, unemotional, and don't go through the emotional roller coaster that so many of us do when we're performing at such a high level. Um, I know that athletes that are friends of mine that play professional sports have done the same thing. They've quit their sport a million times. But after you're done feeling sorry for yourself, you get back on the horse. Metaphorically, you get back to work. And so I think that it's important, at least for me and anybody listening to this, feel free to disagree. But in my opinion, I think it's important to know that we as humans are emotional beings and even the most successful people that you admire who you want to be like have days where they quit too. either maybe it's mentally, maybe it's verbally like I quit to my wife, I didn't make an announcement on social media. I'm done with real estate, but I was like telling my wife, I was like, why do I even do this? We make plenty of money and I don't even need this company anymore. I quit. But then seven minutes later, I got back to work. So I would say that's the first part of my answer to your question is just letting everybody know if you feel like quitting or even did, you're normal. What what makes you successful is building and developing that muscle, that resilience, that thick skin that after you're done having a pity party, and by the way, not all of mine last seven minutes. Mine have lasted days. I've I've been so frustrated in certain parts of my business. I, I own five or six businesses, but one of them will piss me off. I'll completely ignore it for like four days and focus on my other businesses and then I come back to it. So I think what's important for everyone to know is if you quit, when you're done feeling sorry for yourself, however long that time period is, get back to work. I I talked earlier that I love cars. My wife, we call it vehicular therapy. When she hears me talking like that, where I'm like, screw this, screw that, she'll be like, go drive. You get out of the house, stop, go drive. And I'll hop in my Viper, whatever car, and I'll go rip around for like an hour and I'll come back and I'll be like, thanks, babe, I'm ready to get back to work. So that would be my answer It's just that we're humans. Everybody quits or wants to quit. But the successful people, after they've given themselves the the opportunity to be a baby and cry and complain, where most people would never get back on the horse, they just go get back on the horse and and continue forward. And, And there does take drive for that. And so I would say the second caveat to what I just taught is that there needs to be some reason to get back on the horse. And so for me, quite frankly, I have mouths to feed. I have huge overhead. when I say mouths to feed, obviously my wife and children, but I have employees. So if I quit, they don't make the money that for many of them, I'm their only income. The the husband works for me. The wife is a stay at home wife. So if I'm not working, the husband's not working, their whole family is going to go bankrupt. So I don't just have my family to take care of. I literally have my employees mouths to feed as well. And so because I have such a responsibility that I've built around myself to perform, I don't have the freedom or the liberty to quit. And so that works for me. Um, You know, I I don't do a lot of work that I'm passionate. That's not true. What I do, I'm super passionate in. But accounting and working the books and all that crap, that's a necessary evil of my business. I hate that. And so although I'll hire bookkeepers and accountants, I still have to participate in the numbers of my own business. I can't be completely ignorant to how my businesses are running monetarily. Right. And so I hate parts of my business. And I hear all these people say, you have to be passionate about what you do or you'll fail. It's like I'm only passionate about some of what I do and I physically hate some of what I do. It's not just the passion that gets me out of bed in the morning. What for me personally gets me out of bed in the morning is that responsibility to perform for the people who are relying on me to perform. And so uh, that works for me. For some of you, it might be a different motivating factor. It might be that you have a special needs child. And based on where you live, uh, whatever support for your child isn't enough and that you're having to come out of pocket. Here in America, if you have a special needs child, there are a lot of public programs that you can participate in where you do get support for help financially to help your child thrive. But for a lot of the specialized care, whether it be medicine therapy or whatever, that comes out of pocket. A lot of people don't have that money. Maybe for you, it's working your ass off for that special needs child that deserves the best life that money can buy. And it requires you working your ass off to give that kid the best life money can buy. And so whatever that thing is, that driving factor, you need that as well. So that was a way long answer. But just to recap, understand that feeling like you want to quit is natural. It's human. Successful people quit they just get back to work. And we all being successful people, if I even put myself in that category, have some driving force or factor to motivate us to after we've quit, unquit and get back to work. And for me, it's just surely the responsibility that so many people rely on me and I will not let them down. I'm, I'm loyal to a fault. And that's bit me in the ass a few times with bad partnerships. I let go too long because I was loyal. Uh, but that loyalty really works well in my company because I'm so loyal to my I don't even like to call them employees, but my team members, I'm so loyal to them that for a lot of days, I don't feel like getting out of bed. They're the reason I do.
1: That is so beautiful, Cole, coming from such a good place, understanding your why. Okay, If you're listening right now and you are taking something away from this, I hope you are, but take away exactly what Cole is explaining so eloquently here. You've got to find that why reason behind it. Why are you doing it? Why are you passionate about it? Because when you're passionate about something, it shows. Don't mm-hmm. you find, right? You come across people, they're glowing when they feel good. They're smiling. They, it just literally comes out of their DNA. Mm-hmm. When you feel good about something, because you're enjoying what you're doing, it is emitted in a frequency around you. It's emitted in the way you talk to people. You have a choice every single day. Are you gonna light the candle of someone next to you? Or are you gonna blow it out? I call it my candle effect. You're going to light their candles. So right now I'm having a great talk with Cole. We're lighting each other's candles. We're going to go and light someone else's candle and someone else's candle. And it goes on and on. They're going to light their, their mom's candle, their boyfriend's candle, their husband's etc. the whole way down. You're going to touch millions of people through you doing one kind deed that day or saying something that makes somebody feel good because you're coming from a good place. Now, if you're in a bad place, you're going to say to, this, you're going to, say to someone, hey, I'm going to blow out your candle without even saying it. You're going to be like, treat them badly, speak to them with a tone you wouldn't usually use. You're annoyed, you're pissed off something happened at home, but because your candle was blown out, what, you're going to go and blow somebody else's candle out? No, you want to light people's candles. Then it's the butterfly effect. We all know the butterfly effect, right? Mm -hmm. So everything happens because of something else that happened before you. So what is your why? Find what makes you feel good because you have no idea the profound effects it has on the rest of humanity from that one simple act of kindness that you do so for you what are your top five skill sets that everybody should have called what are the top five skill sets that everybody um, a lot of people will say the same things which is not a coincidence guys so if you've heard this before then what does it tell you so i'm so excited to hear your five.
0: all right well i'll try to be unique then um one, what I'm going to say is you need to be good at sales. And by sales, I'll expand that to say persuasion, influencing, and negotiating. So even if your particular role isn't a sales person or a sales agent, right? You wouldn't, your, your title doesn't have anything to do with sales. I have to sell my eight-year-old on getting dressed in time to go to school. I have to sell my five-year-old on finishing her food because she doesn't eat, right? She like such a pain in the butt when it comes to eating. Um, I have to sell my wife on a lot of my very crazy, risky, ambitious business goals so that she'll see what I see and support me. So even if you're not selling a physical product in your career, selling or being able to persuade and influence I would say is one of the most important top five you asked for skill sets on planet earth for your career and personal life. Some of you guys might have that friend as I'm describing this that every time you're with them, they convince you to do stuff. You swore you'd never go skydiving. They talked to you and you went, right? That person, that skill set to persuade, I would say is super, super important. Um, So I'll say that's number one or not number one necessarily as far as importance, but one of the five for sure is becoming good at that another thing is communication i think that i don't know what percentage it would be but a huge percentage of why marriages fail relationships fail business partnerships fail client um customer client whatever you call it relationship fails is a lack of communication so many disasters in people's personal and professional lives happen because something wasn't discussed properly so being a good communicator of being able to work. And by the way, some people are natural born speakers, presenters, communicators, others are not, but this is a developable skill. Some people will have an edge over you possibly, but there's enough books and support and, and things to practice on and organizations to participate in to help you communicate better. So I think communication is super, super, super important. Uh, I'm trying to think of the non-obvious answers. I want to see if I can get five new ones because you said other people oh, have said this. No, It's
1: so good. The fact that... All the most successful people in the world, the the best humans that I come across, people like you, you know we're all saying you've already said two of the, the there's three which everybody says without fail every time, and then the other two can be like a combination of six, but it's obvious that everybody's now realizing to be like you, to be like the great greatest minds on planet earth. We all have something in common. We all are doing the same things in our skill sets. We're all practicing these things. So, I'm so interested. Keep going. I'm loving this. Yeah. I want to know where you're going with 3 4 and 5.
0: Um, yeah, so I'm going to keep I'm going to keep doing this. So, another thing that I would say, I don't know if this is a skill set, but it's certainly a necessary ingredient for success is build your network. They always say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, I would say I disagree with that. I think it's both. It's what you know with who you know that matters. If I have an awesome Rolodex of absolute legends, but I don't know anything that would bring any value to them. Well, it's fun to, you know, hang out with those people, but making business, I have to bring something to the table. So I would say a third element of success is definitely working on building your network and realizing that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, You and I had just finally had the opportunity to get introduced to each other recently. And I've seen you pop up in a lot of my friends' stories. I saw Jesse Itzler sharing your guys' interview from the past. So I've seen you popping up now in my circles of my friends who I hang out with personally being on the show and posting it. And then sure enough, inevitably, boom, our paths have now crossed. And I'm 16 years into this journey and you and I are just now meeting. So understanding that network is important, but it comes slowly over time You can speed that up by joining communities like masterminds and going to live events like Thrive. You know, we have 2000 attendees. There's a chance you'll meet a few dozen absolute legends there that you'll exchange contact info and go on to become friends and even business partners with. So you can expedite building your network by going to places where like minded individuals congregate. Right. That's why churches aren't all online, I guess during COVID they were, but most of the time churches meet in person because having that body and that community matters. And the same is true in your professional life as well. So um, I would say that's a third element is build your network. Uh, Again, not just cool people that's important too, from a friendship level, but people that strategically will hold you accountable or inspire you or collaborate with you through synergy. And if you understand synergy, One plus one isn't two in synergy. One plus one can be five with synergy. So finding those synergistic partnerships, I think is super important to expedite this. I would say a fifth part of success is that you never stop learning. Um, I spend over $100,000 a year on my education. While I don't have a formal degree from a university, I've spent well over a half a million dollars on my education and I don't have a diploma on the wall but I have multimillionaire and billionaire entrepreneurs that have taught me how to make millions of dollars that I've gone on and make tens of millions of dollars in my career. So although the world of academia would thumb their nose at me and say I'm uneducated, um, I've been taught how to make millions of dollars. I've been taught how to manage people and I've been taught how to take an idea out of my head and put it in a way that's implementable and makes money in the real world. And so while I might not you know, be able to identify a haiku poem or whatever from France from the 16th century, um, I can get an idea and make millions of dollars with it. And so uh, that was money well spent is what I'm getting at in my continued education, I would say. Uh, so uh, so learning nonstop. And the fifth, I'm gonna go with what we opened this conversation up with. Uh, there, there's never enough. There's not enough square footage. There's not enough house. There's not enough money. There's not, the, you know, the grass is always greener mentality. The keeping up with the Joneses, there's never enough. So I encourage you to find purpose through giving back, whether it's uh, actually writing checks like money or physical labor, where like you come down to Mexico and build a house with that nonprofit, Um, whether it's whatever it is, however, that looks to you in your life by by making contribution a part of your life, not something that you do, but it's just who you are will inevitably expedite your success as well. And so. Again, I would never presume to tell you what to do with your time, money, or which organizations or causes to support or fight for, but just being a moneymaker gets real old real quick because if your whole life is about making money, you'll never have enough. There's always someone with more money. There's always that next tier. I remember, man, I can't even remember when I just remember, oh, I remember when, when I was a firefighter, uh, back to how I know about birthing, right? And delivery, uh, I made $42,000 a year, okay? I had a goal to make 100 grand a year. I thought that I would be such a baller if I could make $100,000 a year. Then I got into the world of entrepreneurship and I had certain months where I'd make 100 grand in a month. So then I had a goal to get to that first million. Then I hit that million. Then it was 10 million and it always escalates. So if your life is only about money, when you hit your goals, then the only thing to do is make the goal bigger and keep hitting the same goal of making more money. And then you die and you've got a lot of money, but no one's at your funeral because no one cares how much money was in your bank account. What if you along the way of your ascension of monetary whatever's you're giving back as well? Well, now your funeral is a packed house because you impact so many people with the time, resources and opportunities you had while you're alive. So those would be my five things um, that I would say are important for success. I would say, I don't even remember them all right now. Sales, persuasion, influence being one, communication being another. Um, Oh, what was number three? Network. Yeah, build your network, continue to learn and give back.
1: That is fire. I am obsessed with these. God, oh. this has just been such an amazing episode. I can't nice. even know. How many of
0: those? How many of those were what other people said though?
1: Okay. okay, so the truth is sales every time, communication every time, relationships, which you said network, a little bit different, but you have one keyword in there, relationships, so in there somewhere learning comes up not that often so that's really amazing that was it but giving back is single handedly the first time I've ever heard that which is actually sad in a way because more people should be saying I want to give back more people should be thinking about it and this has made me realize when we do my my uh like challenges that we host right all the time and things like this which Obviously, we, you need to come to the next one. I'll talk to you after about it but basically when I was uh, when I, when I do it we give to a clean water charity that I've been passionate about for many years now it's not my charity but it means something to me for many reasons right yeah. so I make sure that even if someone enters the the challenge that even if they don't know about it which they do but even further down the line so much of the proceeds go to go to charity and we, we basically do it for it because it just has so much more purpose. It just changes why you do things. It just evolves your, your moment, your day, your life. And like you said, during that ascension, who are you along that journey? Who are you? Because giving back becomes you. It, it, it literally becomes you. And I've, I, this has been, this is really special. I didn't know that it was gonna, you know, go in like this direction, of, you know, in the way of like, really, what are you doing with your money? Um, And I think that, can I ask something, were you led by this when you first started out? Were you always led by giving back or did this happen further down the line?
0: Um, I'd say there was three phases. I was raised by amazing parents uh, and grew up in a faith-based, you know, family and community. So giving back charity was, was a part of my upbringing. Then when I became my own person, moved out of my parents' house and was a young adult, then the giving wasn't super frontal or important to my life. I just wanted to prove myself. I had teachers saying that I would go nowhere in my life and I wouldn't even graduate high school that just hated on me because I was a free thinker and asked too many questions. So they saw me as obstinate, even though I was just an entrepreneur. Right. And so, so then it wasn't so much focused at all in any capacity on giving back. It was like, I got to be, I got to be rich because I'm going to go back to my high school union and be like, look now, bitches, right? Um, And that lasted for probably three to four years. Then I lost it all in the recession and realized, okay, that didn't work. And it was with my children in Mexico in that orphanage. This was before I was married or had any kids of my own, but these kids that I was now monetarily responsible for, uh, they really changed my heart and reminded me of my childhood upbringing that at the end of the day, you know, biblical context, everything that I accumulate here stays here. I got to start doing things of eternal significance again, like I did in my childhood. So that's when I wove my business activities through contribution so that the richer I get on earth with earthly things, the more what my my wife says, excuse me, deposits into heaven I'm making, right? So I'm crushing it financially on earth and simultaneously making those deposits into heaven. So I would say that it was, uh, for any parents out there, it was rooted in my upbringing from my mom and dad. I then got a little bit distracted, but then ultimately came back to my origins and realized I can't just make money. I have to make impact, too. And then, um, and then having experienced both, I've had record-breaking months. I've, I've done some really cool things in business that, that were awesome to pop a bottle of champagne and celebrate, and you're on a you know, cloud nine. And then it fizzles out, and then you're just back to work. Nothing like making significant impact in someone else's life feels like it does. It's its own special uh, gene or something that we have in our body. Tony Robbins says, he's got a quote, he says, the secret to living is giving. And there's all these cliche quotes. And even you guys listening to this, are like, oh, I've heard this all before. Well, then maybe you should take the advice if everybody keeps talking about how giving Literally fundamentally changes you internally in a way that nothing else does. We're wired uniquely that when we give, something lights up. You might say, Cole, easy for you to say you make millions of dollars now. When I moved to Mexico, I had like $12,000 to my name to live off of without any income coming in. And I made it 10 months off of that, by the way, while having an orphanage. So you don't have to be rich. You just have to have something you can contribute to. And so, anyway, long answer to your question is I think it was my my parents that, that raised me this way. And I remembered it, luckily, in my mid-20s and then have been living it ever since.
1: God, I love that. That's that's very special. And I like, the reason I ask is because, you know, when you're listening, when some, someone's listening, I'm like, okay, but how did you get to that feeling? And if, if your mm-hmm. why doesn't do it, then look back and connect it to something that does connect for you. Giving Mm. should be a normality. It should be you. It shouldn't be something you have to, you know, really implement. However, sometimes you have to go through a crash. You have to go through a moment of time where it's all about you and it's not selfless and it's selfish and Mm -hmm. you're in a a place of me 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 if you manifest something for yourself as we were saying before that's not true manifestation you're doing it for you and easy come easy go i manifested into my life years ago um, my first marriage and i thought oh i'm on cloud nine like you were saying you had uh, my dream homes and, and i had these beautiful cars i was like 24 25 so young big thought it was all great got married you know had my first and i just thought i was on cloud nine all of a sudden It got ripped from me. My health got ripped from me. So I was physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually taken from. Everything vanished. But it was for me that that happened. That wasn't against me. That was to teach me something. Because when pain hits you, whether it is physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual pain, it is happening to say, Bing, bing, you're going in the wrong direction. It's a red light flag to say U-turn. Something you are doing is not right in the world right now. It doesn't feel right. And I had to take a U-turn. So if you have to take a U-turn to get to where you wanna be, then that is what you need to go through. Whatever you are going through, God will never put you through something you cannot handle. You are Mm -hmm. going through something that is meant to evolve you in the next way to take you to that next place. We are here to evolve. And on the story of evolution, you mentioned a minute ago, you said, uh, you know, I'm the guy who I would take an idea working with all these mentors. It's taught you, you know, through going to these conferences, going to Thrive, things like this, right? You have learned how to take an idea and make it implementable. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what did you do to do that? How can you break that down? Someone's got a great idea right now. They're like, I've got a great idea call. What do I do? It's in my mind. How yeah. do you make an idea implementable?
0: So I'm glad you asked, because this would have been one of my five, too. So um, I and I decided to go a different direction. So now you've got six. Uh, so one thing that uh, I'll, I'll start with this, and then I'll answer your question. One thing I think people aren't great at doing is having realistic, uh, not realistic expectations. They, they have a desired lifestyle, and then they pick a vehicle to get there. But the vehicle they pick can never in a million years get them there. Let me give you an example. A friend of mine just started uh, her own personal training business where she has clients that come into the gym. She trains them to get fit and they leave the gym and she, you know, next, next, next. She wants Lamborghinis. She wants mansions on the beach. She wants all this stuff. And I told her, love you to death. Let's do some quick math. If you worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, which is impossible. You literally lived in the gym and never slept a minute. At what she was charging her clients, we added it up and it worked out to be like a million dollars or like 1.2 million a year or something like that. And I was like, so even if you never slept, you wouldn't even be making enough money to live the type of life you want to live. Now let's start taking away weekends, taking away sleeping, taking away. And it was like, if she was absolutely crushing it, she would have made like $260,000 a year or something like that. Realistically, if she was absolutely crushing it. And sure, on 260 grand, you can go like lease a Lamborghini or something, but not for what she wanted. So I think it's super important for me to mention that anybody out there with entrepreneurial um, cravings, if you will, or or feeling called to business, and you've got this idea and you're sure it's going to make you rich, stop for a second and do some quick math. Because I've seen a lot of people get very frustrated that they had ideas of what lifestyle they wanted but did a business that is physically impossible to support that lifestyle. It's impossible. You cannot make enough money in that idea to go where you want to go. So for her, I was like, what you need to do is open your own gym, hire a bunch of trainers to come and work underneath you where you're overriding their personal training, and then open 50 gym locations and then sell that gym location to a bigger like 24 hour fitness, LA fitness, whatever. Get a $10 million check at your exit. Now there's your lifestyle. But you being a trainer is never going to get there. You need to own a freaking gym franchise and sell it to a big dog, now you'll get there. So that would be my first thing I would say. And then uh, just make sure before you're even worried about implementing that that idea you have, that you have seen evidence that people who are doing that get where you wanna go. How many trainers, just to keep, and I'm not harping on any personal trainers out there, I love you, I have a personal trainer every day, but in her world, she would never get where she wanted to go. So let me ask you this, how many personal trainers do you all know that through just training at the gym, I'm not talking about e-courses or anything online, just through training in the gym which is what she was doing drive lambos and have cliff front beach houses with panoramic views of the ocean the answer is none of them do now there are fitness icons that start brands or online channels and then distribute over the internet you know through virtual trainings etc they get there so that being said that would be i went too long into that make sure that the vehicle that you're considering running will actually make you a type of money that you want to make to live the life that you want nobody talks about that and a lot of people forget to do that As far as implementation, this is a cliche, I don't want to say cliche, but a very common answer is I work backwards. I say, okay, if I need to make this much money for this to make sense, then, you know, let's just say, um, let's say I want to make a million dollars a year flipping houses. That's something that I've done for a very long time is flipping houses. Well, then I need to figure out what is the average profit in the market that I'm in. Let's just say the average profit is 50 grand. Okay. So to hit a million, I would then need to do 20 houses in 12 months and then I'm gonna continue to work backwards. In order to do 20 houses, how many people do I need to talk to to get one house? Well, in my world, it's like 20 to 30 offers to get one. For me to make 20 to 30 offers, how many actual houses do I need to look at? Well, usually around 100, right? So then I can work all the way backwards and say for me to successfully flip 20 homes, I'll probably need to look at 2000 properties. How can I look at 2000 properties? Then I continue to do the math backwards for me to figure out how many pieces of marketing I need to be putting out there to have 2,000 conversations ultimately, or sorry, to look at 2,000 deals to then get to that number. And I can work backwards, Natasha, all the way down to, I know how many stamps I need to buy, for how many letters I need to send out, for how many phone calls those letters will generate, for how many conversations I then have, for how many offers I then make, for how many closings I then close, for how many deals I then transact for how much money I make. It's not that complicated to just work backwards. And if you've done the working backwards and that number that you need to hit is impossible, then you need to reevaluate or pick something new. If for me to make a million dollars in real estate means I have to flip a thousand houses a year, in working backwards, I would say, I would need to be 50 of me to do that, impossible. Even with 20 homes, realistically, you need a small team of at least three or four. But back back to the point, it's just that easy to work backwards. If I want to make a million dollars flipping houses, I can work backwards based on industry averages or industry standards to know literally down to how many stamps I need to buy for the letters I'm sending out for the phone calls those will generate. And I think that's the most important thing. Now, once you have all those metrics in front of you, then how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? That's one of my favorite expressions. How do you eat an elephant? Well, no one can eat an elephant in one sitting. How do you do it? One bite at a time. So how do you then execute on this reversing, you know, working backwards down to how many of everything you need to do? You break it down into implementable timetables so that you know what you need to be doing every day. Then I break that down to hour. Then I break that down to 30-minute segments. So all of my days are broken into 30-minute segments where I know what I need to be doing in each of those 30 minutes to generate the results. So what's crazy for me, and I'm very right brain. This is like left brain stuff I'm teaching right now. This is very analytical, almost like engineer-esque. And I'm like an artist on the right side, right? But even I can do it is why I bring that up. But I know what I physically need to be doing with my time in every 30 minute block to hit my financial goals. And then the last part is accountability. I need somebody or myself to hold myself accountable to be doing those 30 minute blocks For a long enough period of time, that's what we talked about in the beginning, that endurance, so that I'll hit those monetary goals I've set for myself. And so there's so much ambiguity for beginners like, I want to just be rich. I don't know how to get there. Work backwards. Now you have the numbers. Figure out what the effort and work looks like to hit those numbers. Break it down into daily tasks, hourly tasks, and then 30-minute tasks, and then hold yourself accountable to do it. Stick around long enough, and you will hit your goal.
1: Sorry, I was trying to unmute. Oh, my gosh. That was beautifully put. I love how you just broke that down. That was a piece which is just so incredible. The value oh, you God. guys are getting today from Cole. My God, I am so grateful for your time and your words actually, because here we're really learning about practicable, tangible takeaway, stuff you can take away. And that's the point in this podcast. The irony is it's it's the law of attraction podcast and you'd think it would be the other way. It's completely not. It is the way of tangible stuff because that's what I teach, right? I'm not just about the woo-woo. My, my method, my MBS method is rooted in neuroscience. It is all about what you can physically do. What do you need to do on top of Believing and et cetera, et cetera, good thoughts. But there's always so much to it. Look at that. The way that you break it down to 30 minute chunks. I mean, that is is phenomenal. I loved it. God, thank you so much, Cole. I have had the best time with you today. I am so grateful. And no doubt everybody here today has had the most phenomenal time too. Make sure you share this with a friend. I think this is worth sharing five. So why don't you guys go and do two things? One, give Cole a follow on Instagram and DM him bombard him please make him come to me and say oh my god Natasha what is going on on my IG bombard his Instagram send him a DM let him know what's up how much you love his work or ask him a question no doubt he'll be there so it's Cole A Hatter right on Instagram
0: uh it's actually just Cole Hatter Cole Hatter
1: Hatter. amazing so it's Cole Hatter I'm gonna put the link below anyway guys so you can see And then number two, I want you to share this with five friends, the part of it that you love the most. And I want you to share it with five friends and tell them, oh my God, go to this part. You're going to love it. And let's see how many lives we can help because that is making money matter. That is giving back to the world. When you share, you receive. When you give, you receive. If you want to start receiving right now, the very first thing you need to do is give. You want to achieve something in your life, the very first thing you need to do is go out and give. Do a kind deed for somebody. Do something, give. You don't have much money left, give to charity. And watch how God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, rewards you back. So thank you so much for coming today. We've had the most phenomenal time learning with you. And I look forward to speaking at the Thrive Summit. So that, guys, let's just tell you a little bit about that. It's coming up November the 19, 2021. Right, yeah. and you've got the most incredible people there's like princey a jesse itzler jim quick dan Fleischman, you uh sam
0: grover eric thomas bunch of bunch of people and there's actually a bunch more that will be announced in the coming weeks too
1: Gosh, this is so incredible. So guys, you've got all that to look forward to. And if you want to get tickets for that, I'm going to put the link right below here as well. It's attendthrive.com so you can come and listen to some of the world's leading experts on this topic and come and learn how to up your game. Because once you invest in yourself, really, you're investing in your entire life because the return on that is limitless. When you put that time and commitment into yourself, the reward you see is phenomenal. So thank you so much for coming. Peace and love. If you enjoyed this episode of the Law of Attraction podcast, it would be amazing if you could follow on Spotify or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me and to all of us. You, the listener, are the only way that this podcast grows. And those small acts of kindness that you do to support, they go such a long way. It's the cycle of giving and receiving. And as you give, you receive. That is the law of attraction and action. Whether or not you believe in it or not, it is happening in your life. And I know you could be listening right now to literally thousands of other podcasts, but you've chosen to be here and listen to this, the Law of Attraction podcast with me, Natasha Graziano. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart to yours, I am so grateful to you. And I hope this has helped you. And I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I hope you go out into the world and attract the life you deserve because you can have, be, and do anything you want. You've simply got to start by believing believing in yourself believing it is possible to attract anything you want into your life and it all starts by taking action and once you start taking inspired action by listening to a podcast like this every single week and learning from experts you get into the mindset of that expert and myself while you're listening for the duration of this podcast you get that chance to be almost one-to-one mentored by them for the duration of your listening and that is the power of a podcast so please do follow on spotify leave a rating and a review on apple Podcasts. we are so grateful for you and we look forward to hearing from you and seeing you again later this week peace love and gratitude for your day ahead